Hi, welcome to Script Film Review. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're talking about Patan. For everybody out there, we, we saw RRR and they saw us and they were like, you guys don't know anything about Indian cinema. Well, we're back, all right? We're here to learn and grow and uh, hopefully tell you whether or not Patan is worth your time because uh, it's a pretty rad movie. We're also going to talk about the Super Bowl, a Super Bowl-sized trailer park. We've talked about the Super Bowl trailers in the past. It always runs the show long. We have no less than 11 top tier, right? Teasers, trailers, big game spots for you to, for you to see, for us to talk about. We can't actually run them on stream if you're watching on Facebook because we'll get copyright flagged and you'll never see this video again. But we're going to tell you about them and whether or not they're worth your time, or at least the movies inside of them. Uh, we're going to talk about Disney. Disney's in a weird spot right now. They just declared a bunch of, of loss of revenue and they're cutting jobs and, and subs are leaving Disney+. Plus. What's going on? And before we get to all that, we need to get to the news. And before the news, we need to talk about some personal news. Uh, I am moving. You might see boxes here in the house and some stuff is missing. And also, Andy's got a cold. We're like half a show this week, but we yeah. got a whole we're we gonna make thing it. to get through. I know. We're going to make it. We're going to be fine. You can tell I'm jazzed now. I drank like two cups of coffee. I'm ready to fly. So let's get into it. Uh, our first story this week, uh, a Spider-Man live action series is coming to Amazon what spider-man most people i think think uh is part of the disney universe but it is not uh spider-man is owned by sony sony has penned a deal with amazon to bring spider-man noir to amazon as a series a andy what is spider-man noir and and yeah what is this? <laughs> so those who who saw spider-man uh into the spider-verse uh, would have seen spider-man noir uh who was voiced by nicholas cage in that movie and he's in black and white, funny enough, in in that film. And that's kind of that. Uh, what is part of like this Marvel Noir universe that was created back around uh, 2011? Um, Spider-Man Noir uh, lives in New York City during the Great De Depression. He's older, kind of grizzled. Um, he he's bitten by a spider. You know, it's very similar to the Spider-Man story. He's bitten by a spider and an artifact, and you know develops these superpowers. But it's you know it's 19 1920s, 1930s era you know big trench coats and uh fedoras and, and all that, that kind of thing um and so this is going to be turned into a live action series which, which is pretty crazy i don't know a lot about spider-man noir but i do like spider-man and i do like noir and for what it's worth in spider-man to the spider-verse the character's portrayed pretty neat by like nick cage voicing him yeah he's black and white he wears a trench coat and a fedora got kind of a cool like cool cool old school goggles right and and I would presume, like most Spider-Man variations, right, he may not have all of the typical expected powers of Peter Parker. Uh, maybe he's not doing as much web swinging. Maybe the, maybe the buildings weren't as tall in New York in the 1930s. Maybe he's a bit more of a detective, right? Leans on that Spidey sense. Wh whatever's going on, slightly different powers, slightly different Spider-Man. I think it sounds pretty good. One thing I am worried about is this is coming from Sony, the studio that made Venom <laughs> and the studio that made uh, Morbius. Uh it may not be like an awesome spin on it, right? But they also made Spider-Man of the Spider-Verse. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, this is the, the team that, that brought us that movie. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Uh, they also did the Lego movie. Uh, they're seasoned at this at, at Spider-Man, and uh, we don't really know what kind of tone this will take on, but I, I, since it's live action, I imagine it'll probably be a little bit more kind of detective noir style, maybe a little bit darker um that that sort of style no numbers on how many episodes it's going to be we don't know when exactly it's coming out but keep an eye out for more on spider-man noir coming to amazon i'm surprised it's not disney plus 
but you know, good good for Amazon, I guess, pulling pulling some big numbers. It's interesting to see Sony kind of flexing that property outside of just like their direct work with Disney and their theatrical like endeavors, right? Yeah, the um, again, Sony. Uh, the, Sony bought the property in in the late 90s when Marvel was nearly bankrupt and they've held their claws onto it ever since and and part of the deal of having the rights is that they have to create media they have to make movies and and TV and and to they have to keep going otherwise the the rights uh they'll lose the rights so they have to keep making stuff Mm, and speaking of continuing to make stuff, Vin Diesel has announced his next pro- next project <laughs> after the Fast and the Furious is done after uh, Fast X's follow up, which I assume is what Fast Eleven, Fast Forever. Uh, he is making a new Riddick movie, The Chronicles of Riddick, which I've never seen. Andy, what 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 are these movies? So the the first one uh, was called Pitch Black, and it came out in in the year two thousand. So it's twenty three years old. I saw this movie. I I may have seen it on VHS. Um or or D- DVD, no, probably no better D- way to age a film than I I think I saw it on VHS. Yes, I definitely rented it, and it it was a cult classic at the time. It was a small sci-fi film. Um, and and in Pitch Black, Vin Diesel is like this prisoner that's being transported in space, and the spaceship crash lands on this strange planet, and there's monsters that are going to kill everyone. But oh, we have to release Riddick because he's you know a, a war veteran or whatever, and uh, so they do, and he. You know, he's kind of a anti-hero, bit of a gray character, and, and he helps this this group of survivors survive the night, survive these uh, monsters that are on, on the planet. And it, it was a small uh, little cult classic, and that really launched his, his career because then he went on to do Fast and Furious, and we all know the rest of the story. And then they made two more films, which I have not seen. They have The Chronicles of Riddick, and then uh, I think just maybe pitch black or just Riddick. That was the third Riddick one Riddick in 2013. I, yeah. So they expanded the, the lore. I don't know what they did, but this film, the fourth one, they'll be going back to that original planet. They kind of crash land on in the original pitch black um, where, you know, some things are different. Riddick's got to save the day. He's in that movie. He had this whole thing, like his eyes glow and he can see in the dark. And I think that's the thing. The planet's like in eternal nighttime and he's like the only one who can see in the dark. Um, so like that was part of there was a whole thing about his, his eyes in that movie. The, the original Pitch Black is is worth watching. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I do. Have I don't know questions. if I sold it or not. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, you did. You did all right. Yeah, no. Pitch Black came out in two thousand, and that was like right getting up at the height of like exciting turns in cinema. Right, moving to digital, The Matrix, and Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, uh, the South Park movie. Like exciting things are going on, and Pitch Black just kind of sneaks in as a low budget thing. Uh, but ultimately gets some attention. Chronicles of Riddick comes out in 2004, and that's right around, like, The Matrix really getting into its heyday, right? We're getting into, like, the leather-clad gunfighting stuff with, like, the mythical heroes, like, uh, what, Aeon Flux and Ultraviolet, and uh, what's that Christian Bale movie where he swing gun- where he does gun kata and Equilibrium, right? Equilibrium, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Chronicles of Riddick, like, had some heat. And then in 2013, Riddick comes out, and, like, Eh, like I, 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 for what it's worth, I haven't seen any of these movies. This is just what yeah, I have identified yeah. from the internet. I would <laughs> recommend all on Peacock right now, which I guess I should <laughs> maybe sub and watch, like so I can get an idea of what the heck's going on in these. It's worth watching the first one. It's a little bit of of sci fi horror. Um, again, it, it is taking pages out of things like The Matrix. Um, but it was a little bit different. You know, it, it's got this this sci fi setting. The, these survivors trying to survive like this eternal night 
on this planet. Riddick's the only one who could see them and see in the dark and kind of save the day. And um, yeah, it, it, it's a good little film. And I think it had a cult following back in the day. It's funny. You can see, like looking at them on the internet, you can see the arc of the titling going the way of like Indiana Jones. First Indiana Jones is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Second one is Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. Third one is Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. They work his name into all of them. Same thing with Rambo, right? First one's First Blood, then you work in Rambo. All subsequent entries feature his name. Riddick's got the same thing. First one's Pitch Black. Second one, everyone after that has the word Riddick in it. It's gotta gotta have the carry the torch for like the mythological hero. Uh, so you'd recommend, I guess, Pitch Black? I would recommend at least the first. I haven't seen the other other two. I think those probably just go bigger on on the action and lore. But the the first one was, I mean, like I said, it, it I think it was one of these small like straight to DVD releases that just kind of got a following and and spawned two sequels. Well, it's we, we should definitely do a watch sequel. party. Yeah, maybe, may, maybe. Yeah, all right, I get into that. <laughs> uh, it's about to be sequel three with Riddick. Furia, uh, this is coming from Vin Diesel and filmmaker David Tui, Tui, who I don't actually know. <laughs> it's being produced under Diesel's uh, One Race Films banner, uh, which is kind of his own thing. Uh, I would bet, if anything, this is from the studio that made Bloodshot, right? Like, this is this is Diesel's, like, personal thing. Um, hey, man, who knows? Maybe it'll be sick. Like, I haven't seen any of these movies, but, like... I hear the Riddick series is kind of rad. Uh, I know there was a cool video game that I never... Re I played the demo back in the day. Uh, I think there's some there's some juice here, right? And if anything, like I guess I'm glad to see him jumping into something that's a little familiar after the Fast series is done, because I, I think we're all expecting him to be hurt in a little bit after that's over, because that's, that's his baby, right? Like The Fast series is like the Vin Diesel special. Yeah, that's probably what's happening here, is he sees the, the twilight of the fast and furious series. And it's like, I got to do, I got to keep working. I need something else. What do I got in the bag? And he's, he's got Riddick. Mm. Yeah. I think you're right. Maybe a watch party. Maybe, maybe as we come up on this, we'll do it. We'll do a review of pitch black. That might be a good time. Go back and revisit that. <sighs> but speaking of work, continuing to work, uh, Alec Baldwin updates. I, I feel weird. Like talking about this week after week after week, but it just keeps like the snow. It's so bizarre. <laughs> it's so bizarre. It keeps rolling downhill, picking up more sticks and mud and rocks and turning into this like ugly mass of news. Uh, Alec Baldwin's <laughs> rust to resume filming with new and old crew. Uh, the, uh, the, the Helena Hutchins, uh, the cinematographer who was horrifically um, killed on the set of, uh, Rust uh, is being replaced uh, for the rest of the feature. They're going to pick up production. Um, I, Andy, I can't believe they're going to keep making this movie. Like, I guess I'm not that surprised, but like, it just feels gross to me, right? Yeah, I, I love the second sentence in this. It says, uh, plans to finish the film come amid the prosecution of Baldwin for manslaughter. Multiple lawsuits <laughs> from former. It's just like, oh my god! Like, it, like this man's gonna be going on trial, and he's gonna be like shooting scenes between, uh, you know, trial days. It's it's insane. But you know, movies are expensive. I'm sure people put up a lot of money to get it done, and you can't, you can't just shut down production. I mean, you could, but you're probably gonna owe a lot of money. Or you're gonna cost people a lot of money, and it, you know, it's. That's just the world we live in. And uh, so they're moving forward with it. And it's really bizarre because, like, Helena Hutchinson's husband, his uh, widower, uh, is he's like going to be listed as an executive producer. And also, uh, they're doing a documentary 
about her and about her her death uh, alongside this as well, which he's also like the family is kind of benefiting off her death at this point. And I, I don't know if that's part of the compensation, um, but I mean, there seems to be no, no tears left over. It, it's, it's really bizarre. The other thing, the, the assistant director, uh, Joel Souza, who was shot, but like he was standing behind Helena Hutchinson and he was shot also with the same bullet. Um, but he, he was not seriously injured. He is coming back to, <laughs> to finish, to, uh, direct the film. And I was like, you were literally shot on, on set and your cinematographer died and you're coming back to direct like that. That's just so bizarre to me. Show must I go really, on. I really wish we had an idea of how much of the film was completed before they announced that they were going to resume production. Cause if it was like, if you guys just needed like reshoots, that's one thing, right? Okay. You strike up a couple sets for a couple, you know, a month and you shoot some quick pickups, you round it out, you put out the movie but like the fact that that information's not in here tells me like they probably have a lot of it left to shoot and i get it like a movie's a big investment right it would be it would be silly to just put all that money into making something and then never actually have it come out uh we've seen action like that from studios like dc who put out all features like the batgirl movie and then they just decided last minute you know what we're just not gonna run it um so i get it and russ is a smaller feature right like it's independent before now, I would have said Russ is like destined to be on Tubi, right? It's gonna be a Redbox feature. It's gonna be like something you catch your parents looking at on Roku. Like, but I, I, I now I think it's gonna have a lot more attention, like for entirely, like bad it's, reasons. It's the stuff of Hollywood legend at this point because they they finished filming or the accident happened in October twenty first of uh, uh October of twenty twenty one. We're now almost two years later, and they're gonna pick the bet like. I mean, people have changed. Like, you're gonna be able to say, "Okay, this is Baldwin pre-accident. This is Baldwin post-accident." Like, you're the the filming will have taken like three or four years now. Like, you're gonna be able to see big differences in in the actors, and in and they're also moving sets. Like, the, they were shooting in um, New Mexico, and they'll, they're gonna be moving to California. Also, the the scene that they were rehearsing where uh, Helena Hutch- Hutchinson was killed. Uh, they're not going to be shooting that again. They've rewritten that part of the the movie, so they're not going to have to recreate that that scene. I don't have any details on on that, but um, that's also happening. Yeah, I I think you know there, there's a few films that that exist that are particularly notable for their like continued production despite the loss of their star. Uh, I think the one everybody jumps out at is Brandon Lee and The Crow, right? Uh, but also. Uh, I would think of like John Candy and like Gone West, right? That was like his last film he was ever in and he passed away before it was over. And they like kind of did some goofy shop CGI stuff to kind of get him in there for the last few scenes. It's hard not to watch that stuff with like a, you know, kind of a voyeuristic lens, right? Of like looking for the seams in it. And I think like at that point, your film takes on kind of a different, a different a different meaning like to a lot of people they're not watching Russ to to for for like the exciting Alec Baldwin western drama they're watching to be like ooh i wonder if this you know is the scene or i wonder if this shoot this standout standoff scene was the scene when a gun went yeah, off yeah like, it is morbid like, curiosity yeah right like you start watching to like analyze it for entirely the wrong reasons uh, but that being said i do think it's worth noting that yes Hutchins Widower uh, is 
agreeing to this with full support of it like he is obviously like a big part of her estate um and while some family members are are very quickly taking issue with this I, in a way i think it's silver lining yeah on the, on the one hand maybe 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 just making a buck and that's maybe uh, on the other hand hear me out uh i i feel like if if my partner was horrifically you know something tragic <laughs> happened on this thing she was working on like in a way i would i would want to see it right like i would want to see that work completed and and shown to the public like i would want to i'd want to see that eventually come to fruition i would feel like that would mean something to her but um I don't know if Rust going to Tubi is that. <laughs> is that yeah, I don't. I mean, I, like, I, not, I, I yeah. have to watch. This, I have to watch this movie, especially like if it comes out and it's like super mediocre. I'm like, this poor woman died for this movie that is so mid. Right? No, 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 no. <laughs> you can't say that. All right, maybe listen. Like I, I, I do kind of feel the same way, and I, I think that's not good. And like I just, it just feels weird that this is gonna keep, keep going. So. I don't know if we'll talk about it much more on the podcast. I know I've said that before about Rust, and here we are. It, like I said, it just it just kind of keeps coming back. Like an old We'll be talking about or, it through the review. Yeah, or a weird <laughs> smell in your car that you just can't get rid of. Like, it just kind of, you can't, it won't go away. So, uh, you know, we'll keep it here on Offscript for more from Rust. But for now, we need to move into our feature of the episode uh, I'm going to be taking the summary on this one, and I'm excited to talk about it. I need to open with the preamble that... Annie and I are pretty new to this. We have not watched a lot of Indian films. We've not watched a lot of Hindi language action thrillers ever, ever, not just on the podcast ever, but a couple weeks ago after we watched RRR, we were really pleased with it. We thought it was really cool. We posted about it and we got a lot of comments, some constructive, some a little not constructive, but most seem to indicate, <laughs> Hey, if you like this join, come in, come into the tent with us. Like, we want to be an inclusive community. Watch more movies like this, like and and tell us what you think. So here we are. Here we are with Patan. So are you in, or are you out? So Patan is an international spy thriller starring Patan, a very heroic mythological character played by Shah Rukh Khan, uh, who is a international super spy. Man uh, is world renowned as being a legend in the space as far as i can tell right he nobody can ever keep up with him nobody knows what his next move is going to be he's like jason bourne on all of the steroids he's 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 like superman he's 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 like uh, uh ethan hunt in mission impossible right tom cruise like patan is is like the peak of this stuff uh and patan finds out uh one day that an international mercenary ring led by this awful uh, incredible awful guy named jim very simple name <laughs> Very kind for us international audiences. Jim uh, is setting out to uh, ba basically enact, all, break, break all hell loose on India, uh, Patan's homeland. Uh, I think I think that's correct, if I remember. It's all subtitles. It, it, yeah, it, it some has to do with like the Kashmir uh, yes. province. But, but yes, they're, basically they're trying to start a war. Yes, so Patan has to go undercover and break into a vault and steal codes and find Jim and take him down before everything goes wrong. And he does it with the help of a couple of near and dear friends and professionals in his life. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, Andy, what did you think of Patan? Uh, so this is a pretty uh, incredible action movie. And it's one of those things that just like nonstop, nonstop action, set piece after set piece. Um, remind me a lot of, like Fast and the Furious. It was a little bit like Fast and the Furious meets Mission Impossible 
is, is a style. And there's just like it opens up where uh, Patan has been captured and he's being tortured. And of course, he like breaks out, breaks free, fights everyone, escapes on a helicopter. But there's just these like mad chases, you know, and, and like he's on top of a truck and there's uh, a guy shooting at him from a helicopter. And then another helicopter comes out of nowhere. It's just these kinds of way, way o- over the top action pieces. And, you know, the the plot is pretty standard action movie stuff. So, you know, someone's trying to destroy the world. You, you, you got to stop them. Uh, we meet some some fun people lo- along the way. Uh, D.P. Patacone plays uh, the, the kind of female romance interest uh, named Rubina Mosin, um, as, as well as some other fun cameos. The story, it kind of, it jumps around a lot in, in the time. Like, it'll do long flashbacks. Um, so you get a whole lot of, a lot of story. It gets a little bit uh, confusing to follow. Um, but overall, it was a good time. It's a little long, and, but there was an intermission, which I, which I loved. It was amazing. Yeah, worth mentioning, there's only an intermission at Cinemark. AMC does not care about the intermission. <laughs> oh, yours didn't have the intermission? No, the interval screen comes up, and then four seconds later, the movie resumes. There is no oh. moment when you get up and leave. Like, they were, they were moving through those showtimes. I was, it was criminal. I really wish I had been able to enjoy it. But yes, like RR, there is an intermission. Uh, yes, Bataan is long. Uh, like RRR, it is uh, two over two and a half hours long. Two hours forty-seven, I think, off the top of my head. There is there is supposed to be a ten-minute intermission there. If you see it at Cinemark, you'll see it. If you see it at AMC, you won't. Uh, and and overall, it is a global thriller. Lots of different locations: Turkey, Istanbul, Spain. I think they're in Portugal at one point. India, Palestine, Kashmir. They're all over the place. Uh, and like any good international spy thriller, Patan is constantly playing this game of cat and mouse with Jim. He's constantly trying to catch him and get one step ahead. And every time he almost gets there, he almost gets the thing he needs, right? He gets to the henchman, he gets over the thing, he gets on the jet ski or does whatever cool thing he has to do. Jim gets away. And it doesn't, it doesn't do, it doesn't work the whole movie, of course. Eventually it has to come to a climactic and epic head, which it does. Uh, but it is a bit of a struggle watching them evade each other, especially because the movie starts and then it jumps three years in the past and then it jumps two years forward. And then I think it goes one more year forward to catch up with where it needs to be. And that's a little messy at first, but overall, like it does work for the through line of like character introduction. You meet Patan, you meet Patan's confidants, you understand how they come together and start working together. uh, And then you get to know a little bit about Jim and finally, the big the big fight at the end right that's that's what we're looking for like overall it moves efficiently um but i think like rr this is a common trope in this is genre that we're finding out is makes for a long movie it makes it feel big and epic and action yeah the the runtime is definitely part of what makes it feel so big um it does a lot of cliche things it does them pretty pretty well um but for instance uh patan has been uh enlisted to create kind of create a a super group of, of like you know someone who we need a group that uh we got to bring people together to you know fight against whatever but we you know and so he's putting together an elite team i can yes the uh, the joint operation and covert research team joker for short <laughs> that's right <laughs> which is great like yeah sure man joker i love it um so you know that's a trope we, we see a lot of times but it, it's it's a lot of fun um jim is played by john abraham who is also uh an indian action star uh, both of these people have been doing this for like 30 years like Shah Rukh khan first started in in like the 90s and like he's in his late 50s and look looks amazing i thought he was like yeah in his mid, i was mid 40s 
Yes. Uh, Andy and I are not familiar with any of the actors in this film. We're not familiar with any of the filmmakers. This is new uncharted waters for us. Uh, and one of the things that really stood out was just how good these guys move. Uh, and gals, everybody's tremendous in this movie. Like, but Shah Rukh Khan is the choreography is nuts. Like the fight choreography is so good. And whether they're on wires or doing something in slow motion, like their movement feels incredibly fast because they're shooting at high frame rates. So, and then they can speed ramp up and down to slow motion really quickly. So somebody might go in for a kick and then it slows down to slow motion and then speeds right back up and they slam them really fast. Everything feels really punchy. It feels really fast. It feels really epic. It feels very action. It reminded me a lot of uh, how Zack Snyder's films work. Uh, not only in the presentation of action, every hit feeling like huge and big and raw and real, but our characters feeling genuinely like like mythological creatures, right? Like Patan is 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 like he's like invincible. Like, like nobody nobody can deal with him. Nobody can stop him. When Patan is after you, you might as well hang it up. He's he's like John Wick times two. Yeah, and like yeah. I I love that it puts him up on that pedestal and never for a second like takes him off. He's funny, he's got a sense of humor, he's modest when he needs to be, which I I don't think uh our, our his American counterparts like Ethan Hunt would be. Like he's kind, um but he kicks a lot of ass. And like that's a good thing cuz it makes for a fun movie. Uh yeah, that rem that reminds me I, I was going to say that there's a little bit of uh, of romance uh with um this kind of mysterious femme fatale play, Rubina, played by yeah. uh, uh, Rub Rubina, who um, there's a lot of crossing and double crossing and and undouble crossing <laughs> that happens. It gets yeah. a little confusing. Uh, but but uh, Rubina, who's played by Deepika Padukone, get her name right here. Um, uh, she she's great, great too. Uh, has a lot of action scenes. There's a great musical number in the middle and also at the end, which is uh, standard for for these these movies it's so it's so funny uh, or just different because it's um it's like a music video just happens halfway through the movie but it, it's great it's right like right before the um inter intermission comes up but but she she's a lot a lot of fun she's got good action scenes like i said they kind of have this semi-romance will they won't they that kind of goes on through through the whole time Yes. Uh, yeah, she she's infatuated with Patan, or at least it seems in the opening. And he's like, whoa, hey, you know, which, again, I appreciate the modesty. It would not I don't think it'd be that way if this movie was made here. <laughs> it also would be way more expensive. This movie is made for like 30 million dollars. Like, it's crazy. Like, it feels like in the action, it feels so much bigger, and especially in the locations where they go. Like, it feels so much larger. I know a bit of the action is definitely studio stuff. And there's some green screen. There's a sequence on top of a train, uh, which is definitely, you know, it's also another sequence on a truck now that I think about it. But that stuff looks good. That's the thing. And the action in it plays really well. So I don't really care that, like, I'm, they're not actually on top of a truck in Spain speeding <laughs> down the highway. Especially because that train sequence features an appearance from another spy character from the uh, YRF spy universe, which I'm coming to learn stands for the uh, Yashraj films spy universe. Uh, these are, this is a series of films that all are interconnected with each other. A little like fast, fast and furious and Hobbs and Shaw. Right. Uh, and the character that appears, well, I don't, it's a spoil. I guess, I don't know if it's a spoiler if I say who it is, cause it's like halfway through the movie. So maybe I shouldn't say who it is but it's a really cool spy guy yeah. who's great <laughs> and i like him and i, I yeah like a, a familiar him. face uh yeah will, will, will show up and uh you know 
fan, fans of Indian cinema, action films will, will know it's another veteran of, of the genre. Um, I saw this with, with an Indian fr- friend of mine, uh, shout out to Urvashi, um, who was kind of whispering me to me like the whole time, oh, this is that the, this is why this person is important. Like this is why like those two were in this movie together. Like so that really helped my, my understanding uh, of the movie. Yeah. Uh, this movie's presented in Dolby Cinema, which I thought was interesting. Uh, it's big and it's loud. And, like, I, I love the spectacle of Patan. Like, and I think what I like about this over RRR, RRR was big and it was bold, but it also, like, was not a globetrotting modern spy thriller, right? Like, that was kind of a historical epic. It had a bit more drama and a bit less action. The action steps in the gas it needs to. But this movie, like, definitely has a lot more rad action stuff and that's the stuff that works the best for my you know dumb dumb action loving brain i think the drama hurts a little bit for me i I don't know if you felt that way but i think a lot of the drama the dramatic stuff the slow stuff in between the action it's shot like handheld and it's like shaky cam and it's edited pretty quick to make it to to make it move but it just makes a lot of the stuff feel uh, i don't want to say unimportant but like it just it just feels so much smaller Compared to like when the camera hits slow mo and like you get some awesome twenty minute action sequence, well, you, or like yeah, like one one of the two really well done music videos that are both great, like in their own way, those are action sequences. Like that stuff's fantastic. Like it, the spec, I guess the highs are so high, it makes the lows feel real low. Um, and I was surprised I felt that way about this because I think RRR handles that a bit smoother. Yeah, it's the movie has like any action movie. It's got to slow down a little bit in in some spots, give the audience like a breather. Um, and yeah, that, that's where we get some, you know, story backstory or side story, or we get filled in on something we didn't know about. And it is a, a little clumsy um, sometimes. I I think the other thing, the only other thing that's kind of a negative for me is, uh, and you mentioned this a little bit, is some of the CGI is a little not great. Um, some of it's pretty convincing. Some of it isn't convincing <laughs> at all. But it's the it's there in spirit, and it's still like you know, for ex- makes for exciting sequences. Right, like those will be the moments this movie feels its budget because it's not in like the physical movement. Um, there's a couple of really really great sequences in here. Um, there's one shot in particular. I don't. I I still don't know how they did it. I, it's got to be VFX. It's uh, it's the opening fight scene with Patan. Uh, he's a hostage and he breaks away from his captors and he just starts un- he just unleashes himself on these guys in, the- in this room with him. These poor dudes who can't get away from the guy like throws a knife at one guy, kicks another guy, throws a chair through a dude, gets a gun. And there's a sequence when like a, sh- a shotgun goes up in the air and the camera locks on the shotgun and follows it as it tumbles into through the air, spins down. Baton catches it, aims it at a guy, cocks it, pulls the trigger. It's all one smooth sequence that was like so slick, and I was like, "Oh my god!" It's in it's in like the first ten minutes of the movie. It's so great, like, and I love that this movie hits these high notes. Like, it 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 totally goes for it in a way that like I do not I do not expect watching Ant Man next week to see anything as exciting as like that one shotgun shot in this movie. <laughs> and this movie's constantly it's three hours long, like it's constantly going for it. And I love it. Like God, I I wish American directors like took took a took a page from this. Like this is good stuff. Um, I was I was really pleased like overall with how well it moved. I did like I said a little slow in the mid in the mids. The the when it slows down, it slows down a lot. But when it picks back up, um, it's a really good time. Yeah, it it has so so much energy and like the the highs really outweigh any of the lows. 
No. Yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, really pleased with Baton. Uh, any other thoughts or recommendations on this one, Andy? I think I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend Baton? Yeah, I would. It was it was a lot of fun. Really great action. Uh, these these are legends uh, of the genre of Indian action films. Um, so it, I think this is actually maybe a little bit more accessible than than Triple uh, R was. Uh, you know, because if you've seen an American action movie, this is going to follow a lot of that with you know a lot of very different cultural things. But it, it's going to be more familiar w- with with you th- than. Uh, like I said, Triple R requires a lot of, I think, cultural and historical context. Uh, but it's a lot, lot of fun. It's got an intermission way, which that's probably one of my favorite parts of my my experience. Um, yeah, it was a good time. I, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to to seeing more, um, you know, Indian action films. Yeah, I liked Patan a lot. I really enjoyed watching this in a theater too. Like that's definitely the best place to see it. I saw a couple people comment on our RR review that said like rr is not made for the small screen like you got to see it big um and we watched it on a pretty big screen for what it's worth but you're right we watched it at home like uh this though like played great in a big movie theater like tons of fun um also really enjoyed the tra- like even the trailers in front of the movie all the every trailer i saw before patan looked better than like half the trailers i've seen in recent memory excluding of course our supersized trailer park which we're getting to in just a minute but like I, I like what's happening here. I, I, I feel like I've seen two really good features, <laughs> Triple R in this. Uh, I want to see more. I don't know when we'll get to seeing more, but we will. We are about to pick up into summer. Keep it here on off script for more. Like I, Patan's good stuff and RR is good stuff, and I'm excited to tell people more about this. I think, I think I'm a convert. I think, I think, I think I'm into it. I think it's really cool. <laughs> I, I think. I don't know. Like, it's just there's there's something, you know, there's something exciting about it, like that I, I, I was thinking about watching it. Like, I feel like movies like, like from Marvel are so stale now. Right. Like, and it's it takes a really special one to break out and be different. And, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever was definitely different. Like that one, that one felt new and felt like a different kind of energy. But like almost every Marvel movie, I feel really skeptical going in. It's hard for me to get excited about it. But, like, not only was I stoked about Patan, like, I had a great time and came out and was like, dude, I can't wait to tell people about this movie. Like, where, where's American action cinema turning up energy like Patan? Like, I, I don't get it anymore. And, and like, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's cool that these movies take, like, so much inspiration from <laughs> films that are already becoming tired, right? To make something that, like, feels so fresh and, like, feels so new. And, like, Patan's good stuff. Like, I'm into it. With that, we should move into uh, our middle segment here. Uh, Andy, what's it time for? It's time for the death of cinema. So today we're going to be talking about Disney. Yes! (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Disney recently had their earnings call uh, earlier this week, and uh, they had... A lot of positive financial news, but also some um, some bad news as well. Disney dropped 2.4 million subscribers in their first loss ever uh, of the uh, the the service. Um, and Bob the Butcher, uh, Bob Iger, is um, here. He's cutting jobs. He's cutting content. He's cutting spending. But he's also here to save Disney. And uh, we're going to get into it. So. I am the resident, I think, Disney nerd on the podcast. Uh, Andy knows a bit about it, of course, uh, just by doing a show uh, with me for a while. But 
I think I have a bit of insight as to what's going on here. But yeah, the headline is Disney Plus drops 2.4 million subscribers in their first loss ever, right? No small number. And Andy and I talked about for a while on this podcast, Disney Plus's like growth chart has been constantly up since it launched. This is their first step backwards and 2.4 million subs is no small loss. If you subscribe to Disney Plus, you may be feeling a little bit of this though. Maybe you and you're like Andy and I, and you're finding that you're probably not opening Disney Plus as often as you used to. Maybe that initial kind of wave of impress of being impressed by having access to the Disney vault is kind of come and gone. And for what it's worth, you might not be watching as many Marvel shows as you were. Andy, do you have, I'm sure you have an example. Like this has happened uh, to you. I know it's happened to me. I've cut back on a lot of my Disney plus watching. Uh, you know, I didn't watch she Hulk or the or Miss Marvel. And I didn't watch Andor, which was apparently a really good star Wars show. And, but see, that's part of the problem is I had to, I, I had to sit through a number of mediocre shows and then I didn't really want to watch the good one when it came out because I'd, I'd been burned already. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like I watched the first couple Marvel shows. Uh, we watched Loki for sure, which I'll probably tune in for season two of. Uh, we watched Mandalorian season one. Season two is a bit of a struggle. Um, we just got to a point where like we just kind of got tired, right? You get burnt out on it a little bit. And this stuff is the perfect like the perfect thing to point at when people ask, hold on, why, why did Disney hire Bob Chapek as their CEO and then ax him like two years later? This is why. Because they saw this coming before all of us. Disney has not been growing. Like they have been starting to stagnate. They're starting to slide backwards. And like any big company, that's unacceptable, right? Like that, that can't happen. It has to be growth forever. They have to figure out how to get more people. And the answer is pretty simple, and I think Iger is opening up possibilities. We'll talk about more of that in a second with like his suggestions that, hey, maybe we need to start going different directions. The problem is uh, Disney has been making just a lot of the same content, squeezing the same blood from the same stone over and over and over again. Chapek actually said this was a big part of his strategy. He's going to lean on legacy properties and really like embrace nostalgia to get people to watch something that like they know and love, like people are going to tune in for something they're familiar with. We just saw the Super Bowl. Nostalgia ads are in. People love it. The problem is like now we have like four Star Wars shows and now we have like eight Marvel shows and people are just burnt on it. None of it feels special anymore. Feels like, OK, it's just another Marvel show. OK, it's just another Star Wars show. That was the big reason nobody could get around to watching Andor. Nobody wanted to. We all saw Mandalorian and we all saw Book of Boba Fett and we're all like Obi-Wan. And it's like, OK, now what? You know, <laughs> where, where is this going into a new space? It's a shame because I think Andor is that new space. Like I heard nothing but good things about that show. I'm sure at some point I'll watch it, but I'm just tired. Right. Franchise fatigue is stronger in, in, in Disney's tent more so than anybody else's. Well, it sets in also when you have mediocre content, like, you know, uh, the Obi-Wan show had like three good episodes and then like three filler episodes. And it's like you, you got to have every single one be great. I, I'm watching The Last of Us right now, which I think a lot of people are. And every single episode is incredible. It's an incredible episode uh, of TV every week. And, you know, you don't feel like you're just sitting through it until something good happens. I, I think... I think it's one of the ways this is most evident is not in their Disney plus offerings, but in their films, everybody I've told this year that Disney is doing five Marvel movies, five comic book movies. How many of, out of everybody I've told, how many do you think were like excited? Absolutely zero. Every single one of them had the same reaction. Sigh. 
But what did I say? I, I said, wake me in phase six. Yeah. Like, wake like, me when we get to Fantastic Four. <laughs> we never got out of phase snore. That was it. We, we fell into it and we're still, we're still in a deep sleep. And maybe Ant-Man will be that thing, right? We're reviewing it next week. I could... <laughs> I said it at the end of the Baton review. I'm a little skeptical, but I still think, hey, maybe it'll have some heat. We're not going to talk about the rotten score, uh, but I, like, I think people are just getting tired of this stuff, and that means people aren't subbing as much, which means in the long run, people aren't going to the parks as much. Like Disney fundamentally is a company built on two things, nostalgia and really cool new technology. And all they've been doing is nostalgia lately, and they've been doing a little new technology. And a lot of it's hidden. A lot of it's tough to see, right? Uh, your average your average viewer knows nothing about uh, what what is that new light sp- tech they use for the Mandalorian, the Void. Yeah, they like use it for the video game thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They use it for the Batman. It's all over that movie, and it looks amazing. And it looks amazing in the Mandalorian. Like that's a huge step in like filmmaking technology. Avatar two. It takes incredible strides in like CGI and what's possible. That is a Disney production, but on the ground, like your average viewer doesn't know any of that. They don't feel any of it. And like you, Disney's got to make people feel stuff. That's the only way they go to the parks and they buy Mickey mouse t-shirts. You gotta, you gotta feel it. You gotta want it. Uh, which also leads to them laying off 7,000 employees, which is crazy. 3% of their workforce. Now that's global. It's worth mentioning. This is not just at the Disney plus office. This is not, this is not just at the Pixar office. This is not just Disney Shanghai or Disney world or Disneyland. Like this is all over the place. Um, but they're tightening things up and I don't think that's a good thing for anybody. Cause you know, those parks are already pretty expensive and, uh, Disney plus ain't getting any cheaper. So when you say, Hey, we're, we're cutting back on our end. I would hope that that would mean, well, I would imagine that would mean some kind of noticeable cut on the consumer end, right? Like in some ne- fashion. Never, not in this lifetime. <laughs> well, I, I, I think, uh, right, no, never. Except, of course, in how they announce their next films. Toy Story 5 in the works at Disney. Andy, I can't watch another Toy Story movie. I can't do it. <laughs> the first three are, so, it, it's a perfect trilogy. And then like four was fine. Like wasn't bad, but it wasn't like, a classic and that's what you you know that's what pixar was is known for making or was known at least for a while was, was that everything that come out is going to be like a new classic film and now you know they're going back to the vault and like let's make more sequels more things that are familiar and oh gosh i don't know yeah i i know like i on the on the one and like i said on the one hand like these are cgi films and they're really cool stuff they're also making a frozen three which doesn't really surprise me Zootopia 2 is a surprise. I didn't think they were going to announce that. They did. Uh, They're making Toy Story 5, Frozen 3, Zootopia 2, and they're leaning on the nostalgia thing, but hopefully attracting some new audiences, I guess. Young kids, right, will be able to watch that stuff, but I've just... God, it's a lot of legacy sequels. It's a lot of legacy sequels. And and for those who may not remember, Toy Story 2 was supposed to be direct-to-DVD. Toy Story 2 was a DVD feature up until they screened a rough cut of it in front of a board of Disney execs who lost their minds because Pixar had done so well. And they were like, we got to put this in theaters. Toy Story 3, nobody thought it would work. We were like, it's been too long. Who cares about Toy Story anymore? And it came out and was actually a really sweet thing. And Toy Story 4 was a stretch that is, I think, fine is a movie and actually features some good animation, but like, it just doesn't just doesn't have the smoke and like i don't know where toy story 5 is going like we don't (laughs) no i mean toy story 4 fundamentally you know what i don't need to talk more about toy story it's fine uh what i think is interesting about this go ahead well part of what is 
the danger here is part of the reason that Disney is so important culturally is that it's so special to so many people's childhood. But the problem is that kind of depends on new properties. Like, you know, like Frozen is a good example that came out in 2013 or so. Massive, massive hit. Everyone in their, every kid like under the age of 12 seeing it for, for, for two years. Yeah. And those 12 year like those kids are going to grow up and always remember that movie. But now wh- what movie and what Disney movie in the last like, you know, few years can you look for can you look at and be like, "Oh yeah, that 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 movie represents my childhood." You know, not a whole lot, nothing really comes to mind and if like if D- Disney doesn't I mean, it's fine for them to make sequels, but if they don't make original characters and properties and stories that new young kids can jump on without having to watch and four other movies like they're going to be in trouble in like 10 to 20 years right and like that legacy time is the biggest like it's the biggest functional way disney makes money it's parents telling their kids hey i love this disney movie growing up you should watch this disney movie right it's parents taking their kids to disneyland it's parents like showing them hey this meant a lot to me and it meant a lot to my parents like when they were showing me this stuff disney is coming up on a hundred years old i mean that is a big deal like if they're going to stay relevant, like they have to somehow move out of the constant sequel space, but also continue making profits at the pace when they've been making constant sequels. So like, it's a weird line and it seems like they're open to some possibilities. Uh, Bob Iger said that everything is on the, is on the table right now for Disney to make moves, including a potential sale of Hulu, which is insane to me. Disney owns Hulu. If you don't know that, that's the reason they can package Disney and Hulu and ESPN all together. Disney owns all of them, or at least they own a majority stake in Hulu. They have for a while. Uh, The idea of selling that and getting out of the Hulu business seems so bananas to me, right? Like that, that doesn't make any sense to me on paper. What do you think, Andy? Hulu is helpful for Disney because that's where they can put more adult content on and they inherited a, a bunch of that whenever they bought 20th Century Fox. And also just sometimes it, I mean, things like uh Deadpool or something, that's where it like, you can't have that on Disney, <laughs> Disney plus <laughs> like Hulu's at the right place for that. So it gives them an adult outlet. So they, it'd be very tough for them not to have that. Yeah. I think Hulu is like a really clean space uh, for them to platform like other features, adult features, tons of television content. I mean, that was originally like Hulu's big lean, right? You can get, uh, next day television like at no additional cost on hulu you couldn't get that anywhere else and with their pickup of the 20th century fox property through the pandemic like they've got a lot of features over on hulu a ton a ton of different brand deals like with different companies who make content hulu boasts 48 million subscribers right now i don't even know who you sell that to like i guess you just sell some of your shares right and get out of it but like that seems like a really, really low, like low return on <laughs> a whole lot of offer. Like I, it doesn't, I don't know. I, I don't even know what he means when he says that. I think the man might be losing his marbles. And for what it's worth, Bob Iger is only supposed to be in for a couple of years. They're still working on finding his replacement. We already played this game once with Bob Chapek. I have no idea who replaces this man. I, I, I really don't. I don't know who's going to pick this up after he leaves it, but somebody's gotta somebody's gotta figure out what's next for disney and and i feel very confidently in saying like the answer is in new content it's not in 
re repackaged, repurposed Toy Story 5 Mandalorian season three content. Like it's got to be in new stuff. Mandalorian was huge. Mandalorian was huge. People were so stoked for like a new hero that's different and a different energy. And yeah, it was in the Star Wars universe, but it was good. Andor is good stuff. WandaVision, Loki. Like there's a way to make content that is entirely new and different and fresh inside a universe that people already know and love, right? You could fill it full of references and Easter eggs, but it's also incredibly easy to miss. Like, and you don't, you can't keep missing guys. You gotta, you gotta get back on this because people aren't going to come back to Disney plus. Yeah. It's like in the kind of animation renaissance they had in the nineties where they had the little mermaid, beauty and the beast, Aladdin, Hercules, the lion King. Like you gotta, you know, you gotta make new stuff. And you can't be you can't be afraid to like stride boldly into the future, especially when you got a war chest as deep as the mouse does. Uh, with that being said, let's jump into our final segment. And do you want to intro this for us? Time for our Super Bowl Super Size Trailer Park. I guess I can't play like fox sports music or anything right over that probably, like, not. I, probably not no we, we yeah i, I probably I, honestly i'm not even sure i could put the word super bowl on screen uh but you know what we're, we're here uh what are we talking about like i said 11 spots in the open that, that's a big claim and we got them all here what's uh what's first on the list all right actually so hold on wait wait did you even watch super bowl no i didn't either <laughs> Okay, cool. Just want to get that out of the way. We're modern men, all right? I'd rather stare at a wall than watch live TV in 2023. Like, earlier, I'm absolutely not watching Earlier today, Bowl. I had two Twitch streams going. I had one, I was following a chess tournament, and one was a video game thing on my computer. And I was like, that's where I am entertainment-wise in 2023, is I'm watching streams. I'm not as far from cable as, as you could be. Yeah. Um, there were a couple... We're gonna be, got, yeah. We're gonna be looking at uh, several trailer, full trailers, and then a couple of uh, a number of TV spots that we saw uh, air during the Super Bowl. Um, our first trailer, this actually came out right before the, the Super Bowl last week, is called Air, and this is like the most eye rolling dad movie uh, <laughs> I've ever seen. This is the story of Nike developing their their shoe with Michael Jordan in the '80s. Um, stars Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. It's almost it's like Goodwill Hunting, but not. Um, <laughs> but there, uh, Ben Affleck is is the president of of Nike, and and Matt Damon is the kind of scout who's trying. To, the company's under you. How are we going to save Nike? And he's like, I got this idea, and I've been watching tapes, and there's this. And it, I, I hate movies like this because they're like, there's some guy named Michael Jordan. Anyone know that name? No, you know me either. Uh, and I, it looks fine. It looks fine. There's like movies like this. I'm like, there's no conflict. Like, you know that Michael Jordan goes on to be a, a, a huge, one of the greatest to ever play the game. And you know that Nike becomes ultra successful with his shoe line. So why, what is there to watch this movie? Right. There's no, there's no drama. Like, cause you already know what's going to happen. Right. Like it's, it's like a, it's like a, the, the sports, this, like this, what do you call this? The sports legacy film. It's like a music biopic. Like, you know, all the beats, you know, exactly where it's going. For what it's worth, like Ben Affleck directing is, you know, kind of fun. He has a, ter I, he has a terrible wig. He's got a terrible <laughs> wig in this movie. <laughs> remind, oh my god! It, it reminds me of the is this the last Ridley Scott movie, The Last Duel, right? He's like the king, and he's like sitting at his desk, like, well, everything sucks, 
And then Matt Damon comes in. He's like, we got to do this thing. And he's like, yeah, okay, servant, go on. Like, it's the same gag. Like, he's sitting at his desk. He owns Nike. Matt Damon's like, I got I got the thing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to save us. And, like, I do think the story of Nike is pretty rad for what it's worth. Like, if you're, if, you, if you're a sneakerhead, like, for sure. There are a lot of sick kicks in this movie. Viola Davis is in it. Jason Bateman's in it. Notably, I think they don't actually show Michael in this movie. Uh, the there's no way they, they, they could afford him. Right, like, well, not, not, not real Michael Jordan, of course, but, like, whoever the young Michael Jordan is, they just show his mom, Viola Davis, who's like, you, you gotta take care of my son, which is great. Like, I appreciate her going to town, go, go, you know, trying to get the bag. But, like, we've seen this movie before, right? Adam Sandler made that movie on Netflix, a uh, basketball movie. We watched uh, King Richard, Will Smith, uh, with, uh, with this, uh, Serena and, and Venus Williams, right? Like... They're gonna be stars someday, and like we all know, it's gonna work out. And yeah. like I, I do think Air looks fine. It looks fine, but I. It's as like a Saturday afternoon, eat a burrito and put it on streaming. Kind of. to, to, it's yeah, put it on, put it on stream and do your laundry kind of movie, right? Like, yeah, watch <laughs> it with the family. Um, yeah. th- th- there's a terrible li- like towards the end of the trailer. Th- there's this terrible line where where Ben Affleck asks, he's like, "Well, do you got a name for for the shoe for the shoe line? What do you what do you got?" And Matt Damon's like, well, I'm thinking Air Jordan. And Ben Affleck's like, that'll never catch on. Well, like, I, I hate it because it's so lazy. It's so unbelievably lazy to, to use hindsight to, like, name all these things, which, of course, are, are the huge deals now. Yeah, the, the age of the celebrity director is dead. And, the, and it's no more apparent than with the release of Elizabeth Banks' Cocaine Bear and the announcement of Ben Affleck's Air. Like both of these are films that are so gimmicky and it used to be the gimmick was the celebrity directing it, right? It's Ben Affleck's feature. It's Elizabeth Banks for first time, the director's chair, no longer. Now it's like, what do we think is going to pop? What's going to make some memes? What, what's going to be hot? That's, that's what we're going to do. And like, eh, right. (laughs) It just, it just doesn't get me very excited. I was so more, I was so much more stoked for the Patan trailer. And I was for the trailer for Air. Different feature. Obviously, one's very dramatic. And for what it's worth, yeah, I would like to hear a little about the Nike store. We'll probably end up covering it on the show. But, like, I just, man, this first trailer didn't do it for me. I do like the 80s garb, though. It's very, it's very, very period appropriate. I, Lots of goofy I, suits. I feel like it would work better as a documentary, actually. Yeah, maybe you're right. Like, I'd be more ne- interested in that. I, I think, surely, there's one out there, right? Maybe not. I don't know. I can't imagine. The, the rights for Air must have been a mess, right? You got the Jordan Estate. Nike had to be all over it. Like I'm sure getting that all organized was a nightmare. So hopefully the film stands up. Our next trailer is, of course, the Super Bowl spot for Fast X. Uh, Fast X is the 10th film in the Fast and Furious franchise. We've seen a little bit from it, but the Friday before the Super Bowl, this dropped. Everybody was hype. It has everybody in it short of the rock. It's like, it's right. It's like ever been in the Fast and Furious films. Uh, It features, of course, Vin Diesel as Dominic Toretto uh, trying to take care of his family, but he's got some unfinished business. And that's when Jason Momoa shows up uh, a victim of the events of fast five who has come across five films out of nowhere to blow up Dom's whole life and reclaim. I don't know. I'm not, I don't even really know. That just kind of seems to be it. Lots of action, lots of cars. There's even one cute sequence in there where they have like a classic street race from fast and furious, which I dig. Uh, good Lord, Andy, what a packed trailer. What do you think? Man, it's got everything in the, in the kitchen sink. It doesn't seem like they're doing time travel. Like (laughs) I I was really hoping they would do. Um, but 
yeah, every everyone. I mean, the cast list is, is massive. Every basically everyone that you've seen in previous films plus newcomers. Uh, Rita Moreno is is in it, making her debut in the Fast, uh, Fast and Furious franchise. Jason Momoa looking a little weird. He doesn't have have a beard. He he's losing the Cal Drogo look. He looks like Vin Diesel looked in the previous film, which is which wasn't great. Vin Diesel looks a lot better. He looks looks like he's like gotten in a little bit better shape. And this movie, there's also a whole lot of CGI de-aging going on. Yeah, like, <laughs> for those watching at home, this picture of Jason Momoa, you could tell me that was 10 different actors, and I, and I Dude, would believe you, because I, if he, he, he looks like a bunch of different people. If he shaved his head and shaved the beard, unrecognizable. I mean, already before, like, I think, but he just put on a few pounds, and, like, w- without that jawline and, like, without the chiseled cheeks, it's hard to tell. <laughs> It's hard to tell. That's Jason Momoa. Maybe he wants to get into big drama, right? Maybe this is maybe this is big Dave move. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's been. Let me just read down this cast list really quick. Vin Diesel, Jordana Brewster, Tyrese Gibson, Michelle Rodriguez, Sung Kang, Ludacris, Jason Momoa, John Cena, Jason Statham, Rita Moreno, Helen Mirren, Brie Larson, Charlize Theron, uh, Michael Rooker, Cardi B, Natalie Emanuel. I mean, it, Scott Eastwood. It's, show it's so back insane. Up. Yeah, like. It's crazy. I mean, there's people in there that like they they didn't really announce. Alan Richson is in there. He's a star of Amazon's Reacher. Like normally, like having a star of an Amazon series would be like main billing. He's barely in there. I think he has one shot in the whole thing. It's crazy. Like I can't I can't believe how many people are in this film. And of course, this is supposed to be the first of two parts. I'm guessing they're gonna kind of do the Dune thing. They're not really gonna tell general audiences till they're in the theater that oh hey this is part one come back for part two. The poster says the end of the road begins, but like you know, God, it's such it's such a bad tagline. The end of the road. <laughs> it's terrible. Anyway, uh, <laughs> listen, I I I'm I'm as I'm as excited for Fast X as I was for Fast Nine and Fast Eight and Fast Seven and Fast Six. Okay. I think my level of interest has kind of remained the same. Maybe I'm a little bit more skeptical now than I used to be. Fast X, it's coming, right? <laughs> we'll cover. Well, I'm sure we will cover it on the show. Uh, Andy, what's next? The Flash, which I have been looking forward to for a while. Wasn't sure what we were going to get. Trailer comes out, and let me tell you, I am hyped out of my mind. Hype train taken off in orbit. Like <laughs> hype, hype. <laughs> the hype, hype space shuttle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so what we, we see, we see Barry Allen run, kind of running through different timelines, running into the past. And uh, canonically, Barry Allen's mother is, is killed. And that's part of what actually turns him into the flash. so he wants to try to go back in time and, and change things, ch- save her from, from getting killed. When he does, he seems to, you know, break kind of the, the, the timeline and, um, to not get too into the weeds, we actually end up meeting some other heroes, namely Michael Keaton's Batman, who I thought was just going to maybe have a cameo in this film, and it looks like he has a, a pretty significant role. Um, he showed up, the Danny Elfman theme started playing, and I just about lost my mind. Um, we also see a, an appearance of uh, of Supergirl, um, played by uh, Sasha Kale, um, who we haven't seen anything from her, her on screen, and most notably, there it looks like they're going to be doing battle with Man of Steel's General Zod, played by Michael Shannon from the first 2013 Man of Steel Superman movie, 
which kicked off the whole DCEU. So it looks like they've woven his character kind of back in into things. Uh, also, an appearance by uh, Ante Trow as Feora Ull, which I was happy to see. But anyways, it looks epic. It looks crazy. Uh, there are two Ezra Millers in, in the movie. I'm super stoked for this. Zach? I can't believe how good this movie looks because it has everything going against it, right? Like the DC universe is collapsing. Uh, half the stars of the former Justice League have functionally disgraced the franchise uh, and and left in terrible terms. Ezra Miller has a crime spree record longer than like a five-star GTA run. And Michael Keaton is back as Batman, even though he was supposed to be, I guess was in Batgirl. They shot that film. Uh, here he is as the the bat once again. Um, I can't believe how good this movie looks. It, dude, it looks so cool. Like it, it is easily looks like probably the coolest film of the show. Like uh, of of the Super Bowl, this one stands out the most. The trailer's way too long. Uh, it has a whole inner trailer for Michael Keaton Batman in it, which is really weird. But somehow it looks rad. It's probably not even like. I, and it's funny. This isn't the first time DC has played this trick on me. There are a number of DC films I thought looked rad, and I saw them and was like, "Wow, that was that did not work." Somehow this one looks cool, and it's weird because Flash is the comedic relief of Justice League, right? Like he's he's the butt of the joke usually, and somehow this looks like the greatest feature ever. Like I'm so bummed this isn't coming out in like Five under better circum well under better circumstances. Yeah, right. Because like, there's 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 a world where like this thing does something really cool and kicks off something really special. And the funny thing is maybe they're there, right? Maybe, maybe the world's colliding, the changing of the timeline. Maybe this is where we make the jump into the James Gunn verse, but we're also supposed to have another Aquaman movie and blue beetle is coming out. And so it's not, it's not quite going to be that, but whatever's happening here, uniquely I'm excited for it. I wish I wasn't supporting Ezra Miller by watching it, but you know, here we are. And moving on, what's our next one? Uh, oh, yeah, God. Uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Speaking of James Gunn, boy, oh, boy. His last Marvel feature is coming down the pipe with Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, when Peter Quill, well, as according to IMDb here, Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own one more time before it all goes down. This trailer is very final. Like they make it very obvious this is the last one. Like they really lean in the the, the dialogue in it. It's a Rocket Raccoon explaining we you know we're going out. We got one more ride, one more chance for glory. One last, yeah, yeah. Like the tagline of the movie, I can't read it on the poster here, but like even that, uh, once more with feeling. Like it it just feels very obvious that like this is the one. We're wrapping this up. This is going to be the end of it. And visually, it looks spectacular. Like, I think Gunn has really emerged as a talent in this space. I feel very confident, confident that Guardians 3 is probably going to be just as good as Guardians 1 and 2. I haven't heard the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special on Disney Plus was worth watching. Like, for what I know, this is going to be rad. Zoe Saldana's back. Batista's back one more time. Vin Diesel is Groot, scooping up one more paycheck. Bradley Cooper is Rocket. I mean, we got the whole crew. Karen Gillan's back. I, I think it'll be good stuff at least from what i could tell I, I hope it'll have more gun and less marvel you know what i mean yeah we don't get a whole lot of, of plot but we do do get kind of feeling and and tone and you're exactly right it seems like you know gang's getting back together for one last heist or one last job whatever we may not all survive but uh at least we'll ha have each other i think this looks great i'm i'm pretty excited about this too 
Yeah, like I think it'll be something spectacular. Uh, I'm looking forward to Will Poulter's Adam Warlock. Uh, supposedly supposed to be much more like Rocket Raccoon oriented, which is a good time. Like I don't know, it got, Guardians three, like Guardians one and two are solid. I'm, I feel I feel confident about Guardians three. I hope it's a good, satisfying ending uh, for what's going on. Uh, I guess now we jump into TV spots. That's going to be our four big trailers from here. It's like what they call the big game spot, right? Like somebody, a studio buys a 30 second slot to advertise in the Super Bowl. They just give you a little bit of something. This is how uh, old was revealed last year at the Super Bowl and Shyamalan's last feature before Knock at the Cabin, of course. Uh, and this year we got some exciting ones. They're, they're not too shabby. Andy, you want to uh, you break into the first one here? Yeah, we, we got a 30 second spot for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, we didn't. This didn't really reveal too much. Uh, we, we do get Indiana Jones saying, oh, you again, to Mads Mikkelsen's uh, kind of Nazi character. It looks like they have duked it out before in the past in, in Young Indy. I'm still holding out on time travel on this movie <laughs> as well. well. We'll see. The CGI looks not not super great. Uh, Phoebe, we see some scenes with Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, again as well. It, it looks fine. It looks fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I'm in the same boat with Andy. I, I still think it's going to be young indie fights old indie, and I will stand up and dump my popcorn out and walk out of the movie theater, <laughs> and that'll be the last Indiana Jones film I watch. No, I will obviously watch the whole thing, but I'm definitely skeptical. I shouldn't be. Like, for what it's worth, the trailer looks solid. Uh, God, that John Williams score does so much work in the Indy 5 trailer. Like, it's so sweeping and bombastic, and in many ways, Indy 5 is not only Harrison Ford saying goodbye to the character, but John Williams wishing a long farewell to his career this is his last score which is a really big deal i can't wait to hear it i'm almost more excited about the score than I am the feature but like i told andy last week i've been watching apple tv's new show shrinking and harrison ford is in that show and he's good in it by the way i would recommend if you like harrison ford but he's sitting in like every scene <laughs> he is sitting in every nearly every scene in shrinking or if he's standing he very quickly moves to sitting i don't know how this man is turning out an action feature. I also don't know how he's going on to play Captain William Thunderbolt Ross in the new Captain America movie. How is he doing this? He, <laughs> just, has to be, he just needs to be a government suit. Then I think so. I don't. I think he's supposed to get into a bit. Of, I mean, maybe you're right. Like maybe maybe that's what's going on in that. And shrinking is he's a therapist. He's he's very low key. Indy's big though. Like I, I don't know how he's gonna. I don't know how my man's gonna rally for it, but we'll see. Uh, looks all right, I guess. Yeah, uh, we also saw a, a spot for Creed 3, which comes out, I think, March 3rd. Um, Creed was creeding. It was fine. Lots of boxing. That looks pretty great, Great though. Jonathan Ma Majors and Michael B. Jordan, both huge. Uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, I feel very confident that uh, <laughs> Adon Adonis Creed is going gonna, is gonna to lose in Creed 3. I mean, maybe it's just me. Uh, he he kind of loses in the first Creed Right, but not really. They're they're like, well, he won, he lost, he lost the fight, but he won the night. Like it's some goofy line like that. And then in two, he gets like a bunch of his ribs broken, but he ends up gassing out the other guy and winning. He hasn't really lost. And I'm like, Rocky lost, dude. Like Rocky had to lose like, because he had to come back in the next feature. I'm telling you, this is Michael B. Jordan's first like directorial Creed feature. They're letting him direct this one. He's getting his toes in the water. He loses at the end. Jonathan Majors wins it. Who looks? fierce in this trailer by the way dude jonathan majors looks like a monster in this trailer he's swinging yeah. on dudes like mike tyson like good god 
And uh, I, I'll never understand how these guys are supposed to be the same weight class to box. I guess it's a what do you what do you call it? Uh, uh, there's there's a term for it when people like aren't quite the same weight class. Yeah, something like that. Uh, either yeah, way, pound like for pound or something. Yeah, either way, like this movie looks cool, but I I am telling you, I think he loses at the end. That's my that's my hot pick. I would be surprised if he wins. Jonathan Majors looks like an absolute monster. Uh, what's next? Uh, let's try to get through these a little bit faster. Uh, the we we got a a plumbing commercial for the Super Mario Brothers movie. It wasn't an actual trailer. Um, it was a plumbing commercial, legitimately, which complete with a website where where you can go in and uh, request plumbing services. Um, it's just a lot of fun. It's part of vi- viral marketing. Um, this movie's gonna make a billion dollars as well, dude. This movie's going to make a billion dollars. Yeah, a Super Mario Brothers trailer is like a goofy direct-to-TV commercial in-universe for the Super Mario Brothers plumbing service starring Mario and Luigi. They got a goofy van. They got a little testimonial from a woman uh, who's <laughs> read some goofy line about how they, they drained her pipes but not her bank account. Uh, it's crazy, just the detail that's in here. Uh, this woman is the voice of the original Princess Peach on the cartoon. The rap is from like the, Mar- the Mario TV show in the 90s. Like th- this movie's gonna make a a billion dollars, billion with the B. There is not a world where this movie doesn't make a billion dollars. Uh, next up, sixty five. So sixty five is a bit gimmicky. <laughs> it stars Adam Driver and what I think would otherwise be like a small direct to streaming sci fi film. Uh, Adam Driver is a young uh, astronaut who is stranded on a remote planet sixty five million years ago. He finds one other survivor from his uh, shipwreck. Uh, a young girl and the two of them have to survive on this strange off-world planet and the twist as revealed in the movie or in the trailer is it's actually planet earth 65 million years ago and they're dealing with dinosaurs so you get a bit of like jurassic world sci-fi fun it looks okay it looks like there's like two or three kind of action sequences when really all they're doing is running away right you're not gonna you're not gonna fist fight a t-rex uh, so, you know, it looks all right, but I worry, if anything, uh, it's got the old problem, right? The whole gimmicks in the trailer. Who, ca- who cares when we already know what's happening? I'm slowly starting to come around to it. It, it, it kind of look has, it's looking better the longer it goes. So I, I'm I'm tentatively excited about it. The thing is, it comes out the same day as Scream 6. So, ah, well, then that kind of settles. Same week. God, well, I can't believe they're competing with Scream 6. That seems crazy to me. But, you know, for to each their own. I mean, dinosaurs look cool, I guess. We also got a, a spot for Transformers Rise of the Beasts or Rise of Beasts, whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> not, nothing new. We, di- we didn't. It was just rehashing a lot of things that we already saw in the the first trailer from that that we saw about a month ago or so. Um, it looks fine. It looks way better than the other Transformers movies. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not too stoked on the new Transformers. I know people said a Bumblebee was rad, but like. I kind of stopped watching these after like the second or third one. I think, uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I like Michael Page. It's fine. I like Anthony Ra- Anthony Ramos actually. Uh, he's in Hamilton and in the Heights. In the Heights, Lin Manuel Miranda musical, of course. Yeah, uh, but uh, Transformers, Transformers, right? It's all spectacle. I kind of feel the same way as I do about Fast X. Like I'm sure it's fine. Look, I like car movies. It's not about the car movies. <laughs> it's about the gimmicks around the car movies uh what's next uh dungeons and dragons honor among thieves um i just watched this one today uh this is going to be a big action special effects thing i wasn't really sold by the first trailer but this 
spot definitely was more exciting to me. Definitely going to be lots of wizardry and, like I said, special effects. It's not my cup of tea, but it does look better than it did. Uh, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think this movie will do fine. Uh, I think D&D fans are pretty dedicated and will probably turn out en masse. Dungeons & Dragons is doing better now than ever before. Wizards of the Coast is killing it, despite some internal policy changes that have been flagrant among the community. Uh, yeah, I think this movie's a movie really fine. Also stars Michelle Rodriguez. It's really nice to see her outside of the Fast movies. She was in Avatar <laughs> One. I think she's fine. I really wish she got more work. Like I, I don't, I don't think Michelle Rodriguez is bad at all. So I hope she gets a lot more FaceTime and doesn't end up like sacrificing herself for the good of the squad or something ridiculous like she ends up doing in seemingly most of her features. Uh, lastly, we got to talk about the Little Mermaid. Uh, thirty second spot, Little Mermaid. Really short, really quick. Uh, this is more, more more that we can see of the movie you see more familiar scenes it's functionally shot for shot remake right uh we see Halle bailey our star glad to see her getting out more uh, instead of just kind of like that opening song number we saw in the teaser you just get a flash of melissa mccarthy's ursula a terrible pick in my opinion <laughs> like, i like melissa mccarthy okay but like i feel like there's so much more did talent they, did no one else audition for this like, yeah like or, or did you guys just do it for the meme like what what were you thinking but like it's fine maybe she's great in it uh and i also don't know the guy who plays eric but what i do know is god this movie looks underlit like i don't I, it's, it's not just it's me so dark, people are, yeah. yeah people are starting to point out on twitter a lot of film nerds are like man the lighting in this movie is really dark they brightened up some stuff for sure a lot of the underwater stuff, you can get more sunlight, but like it's dark at the bottom of the ocean. And I get that. And it's dark at night when some of these scenes take place. And I get that. But like, dude, we got to be able to see people like it just looks muddy right now. So I hope they tidy it up. I hope they clean it up. Andy, what do you think? Um, I, th- I don't think it looks very good. And especially after Avatar doing all their stuff underwater, like they ra- they really did raise the bar for underwater effects. And a lot of people are pointing out like this looks like no one is underwater like it it's not convincing at, at all it just like it doesn't look super great maybe maybe the full trailer will look better but which i don't know why they didn't i mean it's probably too soon they'll probably release it next month um but yeah it doesn't look super great and yeah i, I agree melissa mccarthy kind of a mediocre pick could have could have been anything. yeah like she's she's fine i guess i don't know i'm sure they'll cgi her up and she'll look great but that wraps the Super Bowl. Man, we had a lot to get through. I, I know we rushed at the end before what it's worth. Hey, these studios are rushing. Why, you, look, it's it's only $7 million for 30 seconds of ad time at the Super Bowl. I don't get why Guardians gets a two-minute trailer and Little Mermaid gets 30 seconds, but it's fine. I guess they're still working it out. You make a good point. Avatar really does show people up on the underwater stuff. It's hard to beat. With that being said, I think that about wraps our show. Andy, what are we watching next week? We are entering Marvel Phase 5 with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, it's the, the newest entry in, in that. We will be meeting Kang the Conqueror. That's out this week in theaters only. And also, we'll be watching the, the horror movie that's really become kind of viral in concept. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, which is having a very limited theatrical run. We're going to be catching that as well. Then that's the uh, kind of macabre horror retelling of winnie the pooh where uh pooh and the piglet or yeah they go on like a murderous spree uh, it, it's basically a slasher film with winnie winnie the pooh pooh yeah uh great concept and i'm actually seeing it tonight in like an hour oh okay that's right you are going to see it tonight okay well no one no wonder we're moving through the end of the show so quick well uh yeah i'm excited to see that one 
Really limited screenings. If you're in a small town, you probably won't catch it, but Andy and I will be here with the review next week. And Ant-Man, with the start of the new Marvel phase, right? This is the thing. This is the heat, and Kang's supposed to be a big deal in it, so hopefully it's a good time. If you enjoyed the show today, you liked our review of Patan, if you didn't like it, if you like our Super Bowl spots, our thoughts on Disney, or any other stories we covered this week, give us a uh, give us a follow on Facebook where we live stream the show every Tuesday or Wednesday in this case, because again, moving apologies. Uh, check us out on YouTube where we upload our live streams after the fact. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on all the usual social media spots. And of course, you can listen to the audio version of the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartMedia, Amazon. I think you can ask your Alexa devices to play Oscar Film Review and it'll work, which is bananas. I can't cannot explain the black magic wizardry Andy's been doing in the background <laughs> to make that happen. But uh, you can find us in all those usual places. The biggest way to support Offscript, us right here on the show, is just subscribe to the podcast. That's all you got to do. Hit that subscribe button. It's free. Movies are expensive. Podcasts aren't. And you can support us by following the show and keeping up with what we're doing. You can also check out our website, offscriptfilmreview.com. And you can email us, email us correspondence at offscriptfilmreview.com. From all of us at Offscript, the home of Bolt Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching.